This week on the OneCast, we're going to talk about the cheating in MLF. They finally came out with a ruling like 37 weeks after. Uh, and we're joined by Gash and Fishing Rod's Chelsea Shandrick. Uh, she's going to talk about us, uh, talk to us about some exciting things she saw at iCast, uh, as well as Cash's new releases and probably questions that we have about Cash and Rod's. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, It's a f- Oh, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow. Feel like it's gonna be a bad day. What is going on, OneCast fans? Welcome back to another week of the OneCast. Uh, week 31. 31 weeks we've released an episode. Mm. Crazy to think uh, that we started half a year ago, basically. A little more than that now, I guess. And uh, we came in here with some fold-out chairs and plastic tables, and uh, and we've grown to where we are now. And Looking forward to see where it carries us. But we couldn't do it without y'all. We couldn't do it out without sponsors. Early on, OneCast Fishing got in with us. Make sure you head over to OneCastFishing.com. Use the code the OneCast, all one word. Save 10% uh, off the snagless jigs, the long neck hooks, uh, weedless nags. And now the soft plastics are back in stock. Uh, a couple different selections there, some different craw baits, some some stinger uh, little plastic, soft plastic swim baits. Uh, so a bunch of choices there to check out. Um, excited about having those back in stock. Uh, what I really like about them, especially with like the the crawbait trailer and stuff, is they have a hollow body, like in the head of it, so you can you can shoot your. I was gonna say shoot your seasoning. Uh, you can put your scent up in there, and uh, it tends to stay in there a little bit better and, and distribute as water flows through. Uh, you can inject it like your Thanksgiving turkey, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. But um, it's it's not. They're not the only ones to do that, but they're the only ones I use to do that. And it's a, it's a great, I think it's a great feature on, on those soft plastic. Yeah. Pete's over here inseminating his plastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's right. Hopefully nobody has to explain what, that like, to their kids. I, uh, I miss hoodie weather. Yeah. Uh, it's blistering hot out here. It's like 99 degrees with a hundred and thousand percent humidity. But where we started back in the wintertime with the one cast was just an open room, um, you know, and obviously we're making modifications as we go along. We finally got an air conditioner, but it's struggling right now because it is really, really hot outside. Um, so if you start seeing us pouring sweat down our face, uh, you know, don't be alarmed. But I definitely miss hoodie weather, man. I was thinking that today. I was walking my dog, sweating to death, and when I got home from work, and I was like, man, I can't wait till fall fishing when I can wear my hoodie and my bibs again. Yep. They're up shallow chasing bait fish. I can, I can put an a rig or a spinner bait on and go to town. And, uh, it, the summer has been fun. I know Ben might not like it. He doesn't seem to be a cold weather. What guy, you, but. Are you ready for like extreme cold weather? Or are you just like the summer? I, I love the summer. I yeah. actually like the humidity. It's like a warm blanket around you. I hate going down the lake and it's cold. Mm. Even if it's 75 degrees in the morning, sometimes that breeze is cold when you're running, you know, 50, 60, 70 mile an hour. On a yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see that. Like, I don't like waking up and walking outside and feel like I'm taking a shower already. Uh, but at the same time, I don't like my fingers and my face freezing off. And I'm ra- so like that 60s to like mid 70s, really that mid 60s, and mid 70s, like temperature is pretty prime for That's me. Fair. But, you know, it. Everything comes with a sacrifice, and right now we're having to sacrifice blistering heat for awesome bites on the water, especially with those summer school and bass and stuff like that. So um, I'm ready to get back out on the water, dude, because it's been too yeah. long. And speaking of sacrifice, make sure you check out the veteran organizations that we 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 help support, and we we do some 
you know, advertisements for. You'll see them linked down below. FX3 Inc., Heroes Harvest, uh, Special Operations Bass Anglers. And then the new one, if you're in North or South Carolina, you want to fish a great tournament where they're going to draw, stick you with a random uh, veteran. You're going to fish a tournament. I know Brian New, Elite Series Pros, fishing it. Uh, there's a few others I heard that are going to be fishing eventually. Uh, it's uh, check out For His Glory Outdoors uh, and the, what do they call it? The Warrior Classic. Uh, it's down there on Lake Murray in South Carolina. It's going to be a great event. They got a ton of sponsors, giveaways, uh, and you get to get a veteran out on the water. So that's really what it's all about. Uh, also, if you're looking for any artwork, our friend Jeff Christensen, who designed our logo, he gave us these sweet pictures that you've been seeing up here behind us. Uh, make sure you check him out. Kingfisherdesigns.net is his website. He can do any commission work. He sells his prints on there. So make sure you head over and check that out. Uh, Jeff's a, great, a good friend of the show and obviously a great artist. Uh, somebody is calling me. I'm going to decline that real quick. I forgot to put it in uh, podcast mode, so that's on me. Podcast mode? Yeah, I got a podcast focus mode, so nobody can oh, call that's me. pretty cool. Except for emergency, but... I'm before, I'm looking at my Casio watch. I'm so like twelve ninety nine. Before before we bring, I'm going to do that real quick. Before we bring Chelsea on, uh, hot topic, something we need to talk about. I didn't. I, we didn't want to put her in an awkward position and be talking about this um, because it is. There's a lot of opinions. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of rumors out there. Uh, we talked two weeks ago, two episodes ago. But so before we did our iCast new product showcase episode. We talked about rampant cheating, if you want to say that, which I think it is at this point with what went on at Cayuga in the MLF BPT. And they finally, uh, Ben, you said yesterday, was it six weeks? It's been six weeks since that yeah. event ended. So if, if you've been you know, following any of the social media, podcasts, news information in the bass fishing world, then you've probably heard about what's going on. And again, we've talked about it a couple times here. But again, some background information. Back in the first week of June, uh, Major League Fishing Bash Pro Tour, they were at Lake Cayuga in New York. And there were at least four anglers who were accused of cheating during that event. Cheating by either removing a hook uh, outside the boat and then you know not having the marshal verify that fish was hooked inside the mouth. And the reason why this is an issue is because this was a sight fishing event. They were sight fishing for smallmouth bass. The second issue that came up, uh, and the other anglers were accused of is that they were accused of catching the same fish more than once on the same day, mm -hmm. which was a violation um, of the MLF rules for a bed fishing tournament. So apparently for the last six weeks, they've been conducting this investigation. They wanted to review footage, any other physical evidence, and then they administered a polygraph to the anglers. And ultimately what happened is, is that Spencer Shuffield was DQ from that event. Uh, he failed the polygraph questions in relation to whether or not the, the fish was hooked inside the mouth. Yep. Um, obviously, they disqualified him. Um, he lost points. will probably affect him for Red Crest uh, heavy hitters next year. But then the other anglers um, who were being investigated for catching the same fish that day, um, they apparently passed the polygraph. There were no punishments administered. Um, and then MLF went and clarified the two rules that were in question and really specified that you know, the intent of that rule so there wouldn't be violations in the future. So, mm -hmm. you know, I've been critical of uh, Major League Fishing in the past, and, I'll, you know, I'll probably do that again here because I, I think they've created a culture uh, that have allowed anglers to do some shady things. But before, you know, I don't want to ramble on too much here, but Trey P, like, what do you guys think of the resolution? Is, is this a good resolution? Is it sweeping it on the rug? We know it's released the same week as ICAST practically, which is what they did last year. So, yeah. 
Like, what do you guys think? I got a lot to say. So, Trey, I don't know if you want to go first or. So, uh, you know, to preface everything that we're talking about, these are our personal opinions on the matter. Obviously, we're deriving the information off of articles that we read and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, the sources are out there. We can cite them if you guys need it. But, you know, there are thousands of opinions on this and a lot of them are different and they should be because everyone should have an opinion on this. If you're a fan of the sport, if you're actually passionate about it, uh, then, then in theory, you should care about the future of it. And, and I think that's the thing that raises a huge question in my mind is what kind of narrative are we setting for the future anglers that are trying to, to, to grow up in this industry and be a part of it, right? Whether or not it's professional bass fishing or they're working for one of the in, uh, industry partners. Um, you know, there are thousands of people in line to take your spot on the BPT, on the Bassmaster Elite Series. There are thousands Thousands of people that want to take your spot. Yep. And so you're making it really easy for uh, them to do that if rules are held to the standard, if people are held accountable for their actions. I think what concerns me the most is the fact that it took so long to administer what we would, I would consider like a reasonable punishment for uh, the circumstance. And I, and I talked about it in previous episodes. It's concerning that a rookie is doing this on on his on the rookie year of the BPT, right? And and listen, man, like I don't know the guy, and if he wants to come on the show and talk about it, like I'd be more than happy to have him on the show. But it's concerning because there's young anglers out there, like our Bassmaster High School Series people that we've had on the show, Kieran and his and his father. There's tons of people talking about this, and unfortunately, this is the stuff that gets brought up by people that don't even fish. When I talk to them right? Walleye stuff is still getting brought up. This kind of stuff is still getting brought up. Now, I do agree that these are the things we should talk about because I think with the age of social media and the internet and everything like that, you're starting to see scandals and cheating and things that weren't talked about in the past talked about now. They're amplified, sometimes overamplified, but they are amplified. So it's concerning to me for the youth. That is my biggest concern. Uh, I'm happy to see that there was a punishment administered. I think I know people need to be held accountable. And, and I'm not saying you can't make a mistake. Like everybody makes mistakes, right? But there is a, there's a level to, to your decision-making, right? And some of those is like, man, I accidentally jumped a beaver dam and I wasn't supposed to, or I accidentally did this, or I'm intentionally doing this. And that's what it is, is the intent behind the act uh, is, is a cause for concern. So I don't know, man, like I, I'm trying to stay as PC as I can on the topic, uh, because I know it's going to ruffle a lot of feathers and it's being talked about throughout all the different social media platforms and stuff. But, uh, it's just something that I wouldn't want to be a part of that organization if they're going to continue to let behavior like that. And then I also would question some of the sponsors that are behind some of the anglers that are conducting these acts. If I was a business owner, there's no way if you are unethical and immoral and you continue to do that, I'm not going to put, well, we, I think we need to give time for the sponsors. Yeah. yeah, yeah. that just coming out. Like, I'm just saying in general, <clears throat> like if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have somebody unethical, part of your team, you're going to want to give them the boot. You know, there's, there's going to be some sponsorship ramifications. I mean, the same thing happened with uh spray, like when, yeah. when, when he had his issues. So I'm sure that will come now, whether or not that will come for the anglers who are, were not uh, punished or whatever. Um, you know, who passed that polygraph, 
who knows what the sponsors would do with that, et cetera. Um, I don't know, but I'm sure with that, with, with uh, Sheffield, like I'm sure there'll be some ramifications sponsor wise. Before Pete just goes after. Cause I'm not going to be as peaceful. I know, I know, I know, but you know, I've been vocal from the beginning. So the, the, the last thing I'll say on it is I genuinely, I, I feel bad for the rest of the anglers. I feel bad for some of the legends that fish that series, man. And I don't have to name them. Everybody knows who they are. There are so many good people that are fishing in that organization. And it's like that old adage, one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. And I hate that they're getting wrapped up in this, in this garbage, right? Because there are some of the greatest of all time fish for that league. And so as a fan of the sport and somebody who loves it through and through, I genuinely feel bad for them. Yeah. You know, most of them have left, uh, I think they saw how things were going. You know, your your swindle, uh, BP, your uh, Greg Hackney. Those guys have been around for a long time and made the jump. Didn't didn't stay very long. Now, granted, a lot of prom- promises were broken to the anglers with the no entry fee, which didn't. I don't even think made it through the first year. Like there was a lot of stuff that that changed, and and I get that. But uh, you know, KVD, like guy's going to be associated with that now forever. And I'll come right out and say like that for him, that is like, that hurts. He's not a guy that hasn't had stuff happen. You know, if you Google bass and DQs, his name's in there. He's been disqualified for rules violations. Um, People make mistakes, honest mistakes. What Spencer Sheffield did, in my opinion, is not an honest mistake. There's only one reason why you unhook a fish over the side of the boat when you have an official in the boat with you. And that's because that fish is hooked on the outside of the mouth and you caught it on a bed and you don't want him to see it. You don't want the camera to see it. Uh, there's no other excuse for that. I mean, we've, we saw Gerald Swindle on his GoPro that didn't have a marshal in a tournament, hook a fish on the outside of the mouth, re- reel it in, release it, and then release the video footage showing this is – I could easily throw this in my box and nobody would know, but the right thing to do is to let it go. That's the difference between having a moral standard and not – like you said, your concern, Spencer Sheffield, is a, a rookie and he's doing this. That just tells me he's done it his whole career. He hasn't had any morals. He hasn't cared. He's gotten away with it because he had nobody to catch him. He got to the highest level, and he figured, I can just hook it on the side of the boat. Nobody's going to see it, and I can roll. MLF hurt themselves when they got rid of the paid marshals. Uh, they don't have a paid marshal anymore. It's a volunteer kind of like uh, Bass, Bassmaster does, BASS does. So now you're not trained. That'd be like MLB – going out into the crowd and saying, anybody want to ump this game? Do we got any volunteers <laughs> like, or the NHL or, or anybody saying, Hey, anybody want to come down and run the sticks for this skate. game? You realize like, like NFL umpires or refs aren't, aren't even full time. Like no. that's a big issue, right? Now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's why they, they look at the NHL. It's a full time, it's a full time job. Like they, they go through, go through camps all summer. They train them. Like it's an ongoing continuing education thing with, with umps and stuff. It's not. And you see the issues in, in baseball and football that arise from that. So you're, to to expect a fan to turn somebody in is asking a lot. I'm not saying that they wouldn't. If you're signing up to Marshall, I would hope you're doing it for the right reasons. And, and you're gonna whether it's your favorite angler of all time that you draw, or or some nobody that you're you know you're gonna hold them to the, the expectations and the rules. Uh, the MLF got this whole thing wrong. They got Spencer Sheffield right, but there were other other folks that did things that were on camera uh, that they did not punish because they passed a polygraph. And I'm sorry. Uh, if you've watched Slick Johnson's TikTok, he said it best. Like Matt, I'm going to use Matt Becker because he was one that got called out a bunch, right? He sight fished a fish, caught that fish on the bed, looking at it, and then later in the day came back 
and through to a lay down and a point where you knew where that bed was at. Everybody watching it knew, and he knew where it was at. That's still in my mind an opinion, and it should be in anybody's. You're still sight fishing that fish just because you don't see the fish. I know if I throw to that tree off of this lay down, there's a bed right there at 10 feet. I'm still sight fishing a fish, right? I'm still intentionally catching the same fish again. Now, the way the rule was written, it did say you had to, it did say sight fishing. So seeing the fish. So it said bed fishing. Bed fishing. So I don't even think it specifically said bed fishing. I, I, I can I have it here on my phone. Yeah, I can look, it, but and I believe what it said is that when you're when you're sight fishing or bed fishing, you can only catch that fish once. Yeah, when sight fishing, so visibly targeting bass, anglers cannot weigh the same bass more than once per day. So that was that was the how the rule was with Ket, catching the same bass while sight fishing more than once a day and weighing it more than once may result in a loss of weight, loss of fishing time, fine or other penalty as determined by the tournament director. So what they've done is they've rewrote that rule, clarified it. I'm not going to say rewrote because Ben pointed out it is a clarification. Uh, once a bass is located visually via sight vision, it can only be caught and weighed one time per day per angler. So now they're saying you can't go throw at that tree knowing there's a bed 15 feet off of it by staying back 50 feet. So they knew it was wrong to begin with. The tournament director knew it was wrong. There was a lot of confusion. We saw uh, who who was the Japanese angler that fishes MLF. He asked the question. More. Ta- yeah. So Taki Ta- Ta- asked the question, uh, and the information disseminated through anglers and the tournament director. And it's like the telephone game in elementary school. One person heard one thing. It changes everybody. Talked to everybody else. This marshal heard this and told this angler that. At the end of the day, there should have been some punishment to to everybody involved. I think there were sixteen anglers total. They said that they investigated and that we went through the polygraph. Uh, Spencer Sheffield was the only one that failed it. Polygraphs aren't the end all, right? Trey no. and I, we had this discussion. There's states where it's not admissible in court. There's ways around it. Uh, if you're nervous, you can fail it. It can be fault, like all of that. But, I mean, there's video evidence on half of these yeah. dudes and the things that they, they allegedly did. You know, it's interesting with the polygraph. And, you know, we talked about it taking so long. If, if I want to give MLF any credit of the doubt here, it's because they had to get all the anglers back together again, which is the event this last weekend, to administer a polygraph. That is the only reason why I could think it takes six weeks to be able to release this if you're going to conduct the polygraph. But again, I'm with you, Pete. Like the visual and camera evidence, right, that should not have been a determining factor when you have all that other evidence um, be, because it is such a pseudoscience. Yeah. You, you know, I think, you know, the anglers... I don't want to be too hard on them because, I mean, there is a difference between intentionally doing something that's against the rules and trying to find that gray area loophole, you know, reading the rules and seeing, you know, how could this be interpreted? And that, and that is what the issue was with the, the bed fishing one, because they asked, well, if I backed off 100 feet and can't see it, does that count? And there was questions regarding that. I think everyone understands what the intent of that rule was, which is why they clarified it. So like in that instance, MLF is admitting like that, that's, yeah, there were rules violations there. But but ultimately, MLF has created this culture, and there's audio floating around on some of the bass fishing forums. And what happened is MLF during the broadcast went to break, but they kept the audio running, and there was a hot mic. And Spencer Shuffield was there talking with his— And I'll post this audio on our, in our social group so you all can hear it. And, and he was talking with his marshal. And he was admitting to catching the same fish the same day. Now, again— Trey and I were talking about that. And if you listen to it, anglers kind of say that sometimes too. They're set up on the same spot. But if you continue on the conversations and you have to turn the volume up, the conversation was 
everyone knows they're catching the same fish and that and the marshal's like yeah the viewers won't be able to really tell if they're not paying attention yeah. to the background and, and i think spencer even said like i'm going to catch these four fish every day it's right it was going around they were catching the same fish and that's why when you look at the results were really good but they were catching the same fish so there weren't really multiple century belks caught if you had to take them on the line and, and that's why i go back to i'm not a fan of the five fish format with mlf and i'm becoming less of a fan of the catchway release format with mlf because we saw jacob wheeler do it last year like he put up huge numbers on the st lawrence river but i know for a fact because he said it on camera that every day he went and caught one six pound female because he knew she was there and he could catch her and it, and it brings me back to i think the larger point of creating this culture if if everyone knew that was going on and it's against the rules but the reason why it was allowed to happen is because they were putting on a show yeah they were catching monster smallmouth five and six pounders and everyone wants to see that and for a business and this is my speculation here that is struggling right now and we can go back to and Pete's brought it up like entry fees are back. They no longer pay their marshals. They don't have quite the sponsors they used to. Right. They, they right. Well, even further, if you go down the line and this is this is just like they raised entry fees to the Invitationals. Uh, they raised entry fees to the Toyota series. I don't know if they did to the BFLs, but that's all trickle down. It, like it's all one it's, organization it's trickle down and they don't have the media coverage that, you know, that that sold these guys when they first came over four years ago. And so, like, they need the show. They need they need viewers so they can right, get those sponsorship dollars yeah. and keep their business alive. So it sounds like, to me, this is kind of an open secret that now got out. And, again, yeah. it goes back to that culture, and we can talk about the multiple instances and how that organization has kind of swept things under the rug. So why why do the three guys at this table care? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak on both of your behalf, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Not only being a fan of the sport makes us care and, and have an opinion on the matter, but how many people at the local level, we all fish local tournaments and regional tournaments, how many people are accused of cheating? Oh, how yeah. many people are accused of unethical behavior and stuff like that? And so when it's happening at the local level, which causes a lot of frustration, right, where there are sometimes no off-limits periods and no information rules and people are still cheating, and then you see it at the national level, at the highest level of professional tournament bass fishing there can be. That just frustrates local level tournament. I was like, dang, you know, if it's happening all the way up there, then that just kind of like makes it okay, I guess, right? It just trickles all the way down through the ranks. I so, like tournament fishing or not, if you're just an angler, like at the end of the day, essentially what what he did was snag fish and weight him. Like, do you want? people coming to your local lag and lake and snagging bass off the bed and then throw them in their cooler, taking them home to eat. If you're, if you're a fan of fishing and catching fish, whether you do it for money, for a living, for fun in tournaments, or just for fun to go out with your buddies, your wife, girlfriend, daughter, kids, dad, grand, whoever it is. If you're a fan of that and you want to see the sport continue to thrive and us continue to have fisheries, a black eye like this is a trickle down to everybody. It's not just it's not just tournament anglers, like retro, recreational anglers. You're now saying like, well, at the highest level, the pros are out there snagging fish, and that's something with. And we talked about Mike. Is it Mike Long, um, yeah. the guy that the, the big fish guy out in California that ended up getting yeah. caught? You know, the guy went in the ghillie suit in the woods and caught him snagging fish <laughs> off the bed, and then claimed he was catching them on big swim baits, like. When he did that, it blew up like, oh, look, this guy's famous and look what he was doing. And and so that trickle down effect to everybody and the kids like that. Trey, Trey went on that and like 
that's something too. Like those high school kids now see this. Like, you know, you know, my dad's my boat captain. Is he going to say anything? Yeah. If I have a chance to win and I catch a bedfish, dad, are you going to say anything? It was on like, it just opens up a can of worms that never should be. And, and I hate that we even have to talk about it. I, I know I've been critical and, and people on TikTok and stuff are going to say he always has nothing but positive or negative things to say about MLF. Look, I'm a fan of having more than one league at that level. That's why I love the NPFL, BASS. I would have loved the MLF, but the MLF to this point has done nothing but hurt itself. Boyd Duckett and the MLF is the greatest thing that ever happened to Bass and the NPFL at this point because all they're doing is providing negative publicity to themselves and they're just bolstering these other leagues. Now, I'm not saying Bass has always been perfect. They've had their their scandals. They've had their their issues where they haven't been transparent. And people have called him on it. I saw Zaldane getting destroyed online today. Chris Zaldane has been critical of MLF since the beginning. But I also know for a fact because I've seen it of him be critical of Bass when they've got things wrong or haven't yep. been transparent. Swindle's the same way. Like I've seen him be critical of BASS when they haven't done things the right way. Folks have been critical of the MPFL anglers and fans when things have happened and they didn't think that they handled the situation the right way. If you don't, if you're not transparent and you try to brush things under the rug, which is is now I think the feeling everybody has with MLF is that if something happens, they're just going to try to make it go away. How do you expect people to continue? How do you expect your fan base to can you continue to grow and people to take you serious? Like at the end of the day, to me now, Ben said it earlier. Like you're just there for entertainment. If I want to go watch somebody catch five five pound smallmouth, they might be the, it might be the same fish five times, but I can go watch MLF and that's what I'm going to get. It's not, it's not, it doesn't have the same entertainment factor to me, but for some people it does. It's just I, I it opens up a, a whole bigger thing, and we could talk about this for yeah. for two hours if we wanted to. <laughs> but we have Chelsea waiting to, to come on, yeah. and we want to talk about iCats and other stuff, and I don't want to give any more. Yeah, let's publicity than we need to, but let's give Ben a chance to wrap up. Yeah, we'll wrap this up here. I, I think we all agree, like it's important to talk about because we consider this a sport, right? There's a, there's a like, tournament fish, there's competition, there should be a level playing field, and you have the guy who is breaking the rules, and other guys who are potentially not doing that, who are turning back fish who are not caught legally, right? That that affects the, the fair play of competition. And if we're looking at this as a story and not the um, WWF, so or the yeah. WWE, WWE, whatever it is, or War of Fishing Entertainment, WF, <laughs> you know, you know, for strictly entertainment. If we're, if we're looking at a sport, there should be some type of fairness, you know, involved in the competition. That's ultimately what it comes down to, and I think that's that's why everyone's talked about it. And again, no organization is perfect, right? All of them have had issues this year, right? All have had people disqualified this year. It's just the process, I think, how people are, hand, you know, those organizations have handled that. The only other thing I would say is put some visibility on is yep. you mentioned it before about the marshal program. Hold the marshals accountable. Yep. Hold the marshals accountable to throw a flag on the field when there's a violation. Call the tournament director and say, hang on a minute. This ain't right. Just because you're a volunteer doesn't mean that you don't have some sort of sense of responsibility. So not only are the anglers accountable, not only are the tournament directors accountable, but so are the marshals. And, and that's one of the things that really hasn't been talked about throughout this entire thing. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Hold your marshals accountable. If they're not doing the right thing, maybe they don't need to be invited back on the boat. Yeah, hold everybody accountable. At the end of the day, the excuse that everybody else was doing it doesn't fly. Uh, I'm going to end with this. I, I used to hate it when I would say, well, all my friends are doing it, and your dad or mom would give you the old, like, if everybody jumped off a bridge, would you? And I'm like, well, the, well when you get older, if anybody's listening, maybe hasn't got that life experience yet, 
we need to hold everybody to the same level of accountability. So whether it's Spencer Sheffield, a rookie, or if it's Kevin Van Dam that get, where's to get caught, which he's not involved in this, nobody blow up. <laughs> but if he had a similar situation, like it needs to be handled the same way. And that's why way back when we talked about rules and things, that was what I said I would change. I would make it, you know, across the board. But let's go ahead and get Chelsea, uh, have her come in and talk about uh, some more uh, pleasant things. We have Chelsea Shandrick. Uh, I'm sure you recognize the last name. She is my wife. She is, uh, um, I don't even know what your title is now. You are the, uh, what is it now? She's giving you a dirty look. It, it changed <laughs> not that long ago. I'm the marketing lead with Mar passion. Marketing lead with passion. Fishing all I, all I heard. <laughs> She's my wife. She's my wife. Unlike us, heathens, <laughs> she, uh, she did get to go to ICAST. And uh, so she got to see some stuff down there. Uh, so we wanted to have her come on and, and kind of talk about um, the products. Don't mind the beeping. I messed something up. The, the products she saw that were exciting to her, um, which there, there was a couple that, that she was really excited about. One we talked about uh, quite a bit with fish lung. So, Ben, she's got some more information on that that I know you're excited to hear because uh, you had a lot of questions and she actually answered quite a few of those when she talked to them. Um, but we'll let her go ahead, Chelsea, if you want to introduce yourself, uh, however you see fit, and then uh, let us know uh, how ICAST was this year. I don't know how in-depth you want to go into your <laughs> Pete's, Pete's trying to, like, formally interview his wife. Like, hey, Chelly. Ch Chelly. Ch hey, Chelly. Hey, Chelly. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Gosh, for all, everyone listening, I hope you're getting a crack out of this. So break it down for us, Chelsea. My name is Chelsea Shandrick. Just like Pete said, um, I am the marketing lead for Cash and Fishing Rods, and um, I'm also Pete's wife. So we got that going for us. Um, so I just got back from ICAST 2023, and there was definitely some innovation among the expected imitation. I'm not going to elaborate on the imitation. I'm sure you guys all know what I'm talking about, but I'm super excited to share a few products that I was personally impressed with and excited to see. What, what, what was that phrase again? Improvements on the imitate. Innovation among the expected imitation. That was probably the most politically correct way to say knockoff that I've ever <laughs> heard in my life. I love it. I'm, that's that. If I can remember that, which I won't, that's what I'm going to say from that one. I know where you can find it at. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> anyway. Um, but the first one I wanted to talk about is Echo Bait Company, and they're out of Auburn, Alabama. Mm -hmm. You can find them at echobaitco.com. And what they're focused on um, is sonar reflective tackle for forward-facing sonar. Um, they had a demonstration, uh, two screens side-by-side. -side. One had your regular lure. The other had their Echo Bait. And you could see that it was two to 10 times more visible on that live sonar. It was incredible. Um, so basically it's helping you better track your lure. It's much easier that way. And you're targeting fish, hopefully getting those better hookups. And I know we talked about them last week. Mm -hmm. when we brought up the, uh, the iCash preview or I, I mean, iCash was going on, but we were going through the new product showcase. And what's unique about them is because it's, it's so for sonar specific, the front end of that jig or whatever is it's very it's uh, concave it's it con looks like um a satellite dish concave and very hard straight line edges mm -hmm. yeah which makes perfect sense if you think like a radar right and that's radio waves but sound waves going through the water yeah. 
it, that just means there'll be more deflection back, right? Mm -hmm. So they they de-stealthed the yeah. uh, you know if you want to think about it that way more surface area for you to get that like good feedback from your forward facing sonar and like we've seen tons of different um gels and stuff that have come out uh tungsten obviously according to what they say appears uh far superior to lead or whatever the case may be but you know guys are getting you know different gels and stuff like that but this is a pretty cool concept to see like a bait company come out with something specifically designed for forward facing sonar Did when I patent pending too, correct? Uh, they have the patent. Or they already have the mm -hmm. patent. When I was um, so when I look at them, it looks like uh, mostly everything's more for geared towards open water. Do they have anything there at the show that was more for, you know, grass or heavy cover and all? Because I would imagine, right, the shape of the head obviously matters. You know, coming through that type of stuff. Uh, they are. They only had three head shapes okay. on display at their booth. Um, but it looked like it was primarily for open water. Yeah, it looked like they had uh, something for vertical, like so if you're Demiki rigs mm -hmm. uh, with the line tie on top and kind of that concave. Uh, then they had a, a head that was more like your traditional soft body jig head uh, with that concave on the front, your line tie kind of there. And then the deep water one was one that looked real interesting to me because it was almost it, like a wedge shape. It looks like the head of a hatchet. Yeah. And they explained that it's better to cut through the water columns. So you get a faster fall. Hmm. Get down, get but they have a bunch resistance. of other lures on their website um, for different, like they have hair jigs on there just okay. for an example, but I would definitely check them out at echobaitco.com. Yeah. That was one we saw going through the new product showcase that anytime you see patent something new, you know, a lot of research and, and, and uh, time went into that. Uh, it's not, uh, it's not something that's uh redesign on an imitation or however however Chelsea put it so eloquently earlier. You're talking about that uh, new t-shirt quote we got coming? Yeah, another new t-shirt quote. I like at, it. At the fishuational and fish cheers. And yeah. <laughs> um did I just make a hot take? You did. You did probably yes. yeah. Yeah. But just just to see diff like a different way of thinking. So we all know forward facing sonar is a hot topic. Like people love it. They hate it. Uh if you do use it sometimes when you're fishing those smaller swim baits uh, Demiki rigs and things like that. It can be tough to see that bait. You'll you'll just catch glimpses of it. Uh, if you want your fish clear and your bait clear, it's kind of hard to get sometimes because you got to sure. mess with settings and that. And it sounds like they found a, a compromise there where you you don't have to do that. You can still see the fish. You can better see your bait uh, to help you get it in front of them. And it doesn't make them bite it just because you can get it in front of them. Uh, and I do know some folks that have tested tested the the Echo Jig. Uh, or the echo baits, the echo jig. I think they call them the echo jigs, but uh, and they they've had nothing but good things to say. Good sharp hook, strong hook, good hookup ratio. You can track that bait well. So everything they're claiming, uh, the folks that I know and the folks that I know that are testing it are not elite series or any any professional anglers. They're every everyday folks like us that live down there and know the folks. So they gave them some jigs to try. Uh, so it's not a paid advertisement or anything. It's 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 individuals that have used the bait and believe in it. Uh, kind of like when we tested for for one cast fishing with the snagless jig, uh, you know, we got that and tried it. We're not paid or anything to do that. We gave our honest feedback and and it'll tell you that you know it's a great product. So uh, definitely check them out. And that was you said echobaitco.com. Yes. So echobaitco.com. Check them out. Uh, probably gonna try to get them on the show to talk about their product uh, at some point. I think I think that would be good. Just uh, they may be able to give some insight into the design, you know, process and everything for anybody that's interested in that stuff. I know I am and, and it could be cool. So what, uh, what else did you see out there, Chelsea? 
the Fishlung. So O2 Aaron C, the founders of Fishlung, fishlung.com. Um, they're out of Huntsville, Alabama, another Alabama group there. Um, I met with Johnny Maxwell, the um, inventor and founder. And I'm not even going to try to pretend to know all the scientific terms he was using for this technology. So I'll just break it down in layman's terms. This project has been going on for over eight years. And the main goal of that project is to save fish. Um, he has a group of anglers, including himself, who are passionate about you know, conservation, figuring out the root cause as to why there were so many fish kills. Okay. Um, and he explained that, you know, as anglers, we have innocently gotten it all wrong in terms of how to uh, take care of the fish that we catch. We pour chemicals in, we put ice in the live wells, we talk about water circulation, but we never really looked at the root cause of the increased fish kills, and that's oxygen. Mm -hmm. So he has developed this technology that it basically looks like um, a ceramic puck that goes into your live well. And there's a filter that filters out, I believe it's the nitrogen. <clears throat> so you are left with pure oxygen. And the way that that puck works, it dissolves the oxygen into smaller bubbles. So if you look at your regular live well, and it's bubbling up, it's circulating, those bubbles are large. They are. Okay. So the puck makes tiny micro bubbles, nano bubbles is what he called them. And what that does is it it's more easily penetrated into the fish's gills so that they're absorbing that oxygen. So if you think about it in terms of healthcare for us, um, our oxygen saturation, how much oxygen do we have in our blood? Same thing for the fish. So the fish lung is pumping these fish full of pure oxygen and <clears throat> that micro bubble system for the live well is sending a concentrated amount of oxygen to that fish and they're being returned into the water, sometimes healthier than when they were brought into the boat and into that live well. Um, so that super saturation of oxygen, um, it, it just helps those fish survive um, and actually thrive. And the way that Johnny explained it is this breakthrough technology um, can actually move on to help bigger bodies of water, not just singular fish. Yeah. So that technology can be put into different bodies of water to help almost regenerate the, um, the environment for the fish. That's interesting. It's huge. <clears throat> you know, we had this conversation. I'll, I'll just stay on the, the small topic, I guess would be, you know, making sure we have good fish care with, with bass and, and if you could put this in uh, an entire lake or, uh, you know, a water system, that'd be amazing. Um, but we had this this conversation with Harvey Horn. You know, he's not uh, from the way he broke it down. He doesn't do that. He doesn't add a lot of chemicals to his live well. He doesn't add ice. He doesn't. He uses the lake water that the fish are used to and recirculates and and pumps pumps out old old water and releases the nitrogen from his live wells and stuff just through constant maintaining throughout a tournament day. Uh, you know, in in his live well, like opening the lids or whatever the case may be. So. Uh, and that is interesting. I never thought about that because I I've always done that. I've always added a bag of ice to my live well. I've always used like rejuvenate or G juice or something yeah. like that, you know. And so to see something that is natural, uh, you know, come online that could just eliminate all that stuff. And I'm sure those other businesses aren't very happy about it. But the reality is, is anything that is 
abnormal or artificial uh, can can cause some harm to a fish, right? Yeah. So I'm not saying that's the case with like G juice and rejuvenate and ice and stuff like that. But if you think about it, you add a, add a bag of ice to your live well and drop a fish from 90 degree water into 60 degree water. And, and Pete and I talked about it. You may put those fish into shock and create yeah. more stress and then have to fizz that fish over and over. And we won't get on the fizzing topic, but maybe this will help reduce the amount of fizzing you have to do and stuff like that. I will learn how to fizz your fish. <laughs> Next, uh, super oxygenated water. It's the most important thing we can do. Yeah. But no, I think Ben brought asked the question when we were looking at it on the new product showcase. Like, does it does it eliminate the nitrogen? And that is exactly what yes. it does. So if you look at if you look at this tech, this is the same tech on a a little bit larger scale. Similar. There's obviously different, but that bass does with their fish care before they release fish. So bass, for anybody that knows, on these big events, takes fish into a holding tank. They put them into super oxygenated water, remove the nitrogen. They make sure that those fish are healthy before they release them. Essentially, now you're putting them in a live well situation where they're going to have that super oxygenated water. You're you're eliminating that nitrogen because that's one of the worst things is the nitrogen buildup. And, you know, there's vents. Uh, you can be old school like us where you just crack the lid every once in a while, make sure your fish aren't dead. And, <laughs> you know, that releases that nitrogen. But nitrogen buildup is a huge issue, especially with recirc, which we all do. We put ice you dump your G-juice in there, you're recirculating all day. Eventually, you're just recirculating straight nitrogen. And people are like, I don't understand how my fish died. Well, at some point, there's no oxygen left for them to get. Now, we saw the oxygenator come out a few years ago, and I think yeah. that was the first step into where you're, you're introducing oxygen into the water. And, and now it sounds like it's even better. And, and um, I know it's not a super cheap product. I think it was like 1500 for the whole system uh, when I looked on their website. Uh, but it's all self-contained. It was pretty easy to install. It looked like it was about the size of a small lithium battery for the box Yes. Uh, that goes in there. There's a couple tubes. You drill one small hole in your live well and put that puck in there, uh, and then you're ready to go. I think it looked like it hooked right to your 12-volt. Uh, they haven't released all the specs yet. I'm sure they'll do yeah. that as it goes. It can't draw much amperage, I would think, to, to where you have to worry about draining the battery or anything. But um, that's one that excites me. And I know guys like John Cruz, who we know on the show, we trust him, has been testing it for a while uh, and had had nothing but good things to say to it. There were some other Elite Series guys that used it and have had great things to say. Uh, some Opens guys that have been using it that had good things to say. Um, Is this something, in your opinion, or in any of your guys' opinion, that you could see in the future as a boat option when you're purchasing a vessel? Well, I'm sure it will be an option. I mean, I... And who knows, right? It depends on the patent and technology if, if boat companies are going to try to find their own way to get around it. Yeah. Right. And I think about it. I, I love the product. I think, right, it makes the smaller bubbles, you know, gets rid of the oxygen and all. But for the average guy, that's a lot of bags of ice. Sure. And and I don't quite understand. I don't really think it's hate because everyone puts ice in their bag. But the reason why the ice works is it brings down the temperature of that lake water, which means it can hold more dissolved oxygen. And two, as that ice melts, there's dissolved oxygen in that water, mm. which is why it, that's why everyone says, you know, here in North Carolina, you better put ice in your life <laughs> yeah. or if you're going out and there's some G juice because you're, you're, it's exactly the point you're trying to get to is all the oxygen, you need more dissolved water. So yeah, it's a great product. Sounds like a great product. Um, I want one for my boat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that's the one thing that I walked away thinking to myself, I'm definitely going to get that for our setup. Yeah. 
Sweet. <laughs> Get me a fish lung, boys. And then you don't have to, you know, <laughs> it is a lot of bags of ice for that price, but then you don't have to stop. You don't have to, you can, that's sleep, right. You can sleep in for 10 more. Yeah, minutes. that's right. And <laughs> we're frozen Gatorade bottles sloshing around in there or anything. But so, if you look at the bigger picture, it's the con conservation end of things. Yeah. You know, we're saving the fish, we're putting them back and being able to catch them again, not on the same day. Yeah, not the same angler. Because even oh man, even with the she, she went I think there. she's trying to get me. She went there. I think with, I mean the ice is great and Ben's right. Like that's what we're taught, right? But even with everybody putting ice in their live wells at the end of a tournament, how many fish do you still see dead and floating? Now a lot of that's because guys don't know how to fizz. They won't take the time to learn how to do it properly. They still use stupid fin clips that don't work. All they do is keep fish alive until you weigh them in, and then they die five minutes after you release them. Um. Some of that is fizzing, but at the, at the end of the day, like ice only works to an extent. So if there's a better way, and if you're serious about conservation, now for your guy that fishes one tournament a month, and you, like that's it, I can see like it probably that, doesn't make sense. So for my little Triton, right? It only it has a research, but it doesn't have oxygen. So all I do is I put live. I mean, um, ice in there and G juice, mm -hmm. and I haven't had a fish die on me in the live like hours later right there's somebody being like gut hooked or something right and you like, try to put them back in the water and they're already turning belly up right it, shallow or that's when i know when to, you know i need to fizz them if they came from deep but and, and it may be because i'm constantly checking my fish and i'm open the live well like every time i'm about to make a run to make i do the, the same thing the yeah. same water in there and like that maybe that's getting rid of some of that nitrogen which is why i've never like my fish because i put ice in the g juice like they come out lively oh yeah you know mm -hmm. And they always flop around and weigh in too much. But, you know, I just don't think a lot of guys put ice and use any of that stuff. They probably don't. And to kind of debunk the, you know, having to fizz fish out of, you know, 30 foot of water, um, you can catch a fish in six inches of water and they get stressed out and they start mm -hmm. bloating and they start yep. flipping and stuff. But, you know, any step we can take to help continue the progression of conservation and stuff like that, I, th you know, in my opinion, is, is a great thing to do. And, and I see it going well beyond bass way tournament bigger. fishing way and bigger way bigger picture and i also think like if you look at tournament fishing like we talk about bass fishing because we do but there's plenty of other tournament types of tournaments where live fish weigh-ins occur red fish red fishing does it walleye walleye can be live or dead like now you may see like really if we can dead. keep walleye more alive yeah they can be really dead with lead weights in them. uh maybe you can see like where you can keep them alive the, longer the, the and easier like if the technology there is to help you keep a walleye alive you may see some of those trails go to hey those fish need to be alive the now granted they're probably going to eat them at the end of the day anyway because that's what we do up north when we catch walleye <laughs> is we eat them the test will be can you put a striper in your live well? You can't. Oh. No. <laughs> Look, let me, let's talk about striper. No, we're not going to talk. Just about real that. quick. Just this is a 30 second deal. Like right. they are the softest fish I've ever seen yeah. in my life. And that is all I will say about it. Sometimes you throw them back and they're dead. Yeah. Like literally you drop them on the water and they're like, oh, that was too hard. And they float belly up. But anyway, that's the test. <laughs> that's, that's the threshold. That's the threshold, we threshold get yeah. Uh, so yeah. Fish lung. Check them out. Uh, was it fishlung.com? Is that their website? Uh, yes, fishlung.com. And I, we're definitely going to get him on the show uh, because I want to hear from the inventor and I want to hear all the science behind it and, and clarify some of that stuff and and uh, ask some more questions. But Chelsea, thanks for that, for, for those two. And I know what's coming next, and that's cash and rods and what they release. So, Well, I still want to plug Johnny for a second. Okay. Um, I think you should have him on the show, especially because, yeah, the technology. But his story is incredible, and I think you guys will really like his story. So now we're in suspense. 
and we there will be a yeah, you know we need the a next episode for that for sure yes. on the next episode on the next, on the next episode. episode not the next one that'll be too short but we are get we'll get them on we'll reach out to him we got a contact info so we'll we'll get that set up and get johnny to come on so cashin what did y'all do this year i mean we know but tell the folks that may not know Sure. So for everyone who hasn't been following, um, Cashin has go showcased. Follow. Yes, go follow. I'll, I'll plug that at the end. Thank you, Peter. Um, Cashin has showcased. <laughs> Peter for the first time on the show. Jeez. I didn't I didn't mean any that disrespect. <laughs> You're good. That's just what I call you. People are going to want her on every week. <laughs> All right, Pete. We got the John Cruz Big Bait Rod. Um, that was released earlier this year. Um, it's in our Icon series. And that was the answer to everyone's uh, question. What do I use to throw all these oversized baits? Mm -hmm. So those big paddle tail swim baits like the um, Spro Megalodon that just came out. Or my 10XD crankbait. Or my $5,000 glide bait. <laughs> Or that I don't have one. A rigs or umbrella rigs, whatever, whatever you want to call them, um, and then oversized spinner baits too. It, it it's just the jack of all trades type fishing rod. So it's a seven foot ten inch mod fast medium heavy, and what it allows the angler to do is to really load up with that bite because it's it's a load up bite. Um, you don't want to rip the hook out of the fish's mouth, right? Um, so no matter what big bait you're throwing the rod is designed to handle that the casting distance the accuracy and then of course bringing the fish in yeah that, that up that's key that mod that mod fast and i think cashin does moderate moderate fast action better than anybody uh with the way they build their parabolic bends and everything into their blanks is just but i get asked all the time like guys start throwing mag drafts or bigger softs and they're like man i can't hook a fish and it's always because they're throwing a medium heavy or a heavy fast rod. And as soon as they feel that fish grab it, they're setting the hook. And a lot of times with a bass, if they don't eat it face first when they're really chewing it, is they come up and they grab that bait by the tail with their first and then they gulp again and then you get the hook into them. So with that, like she was saying, with that mod fast action, it lets that fish grab it and you're going to feel a little bit, but you're not. there's not enough there where your head goes, I need to set the hook. And then all of a sudden you feel that weight on there and you're just pulling the hook into them. And it yeah. does, it does a great job. Uh, I haven't thrown any crankbaits on it, but I've thrown some of the big, big baits on it. And I'm looking forward to throwing an A rig when that, that time of year gets here. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The claim to fame with that rod is it gives you grace. Um, there's a lot of forgiveness in that bend. So uh, that, that was the missing piece of the um, John Cruz icon series. Um, so then we have the Icon Salt Finesse line as a part of our Icon Inshore series. And this is the part that we were super stoked about because it's brand new. Mm -hmm. We're learning about it. Uh, our folks that follow us are learning about it. We're, we're on this journey together. So the Icon Salt Finesse line is um, twofold. We've got a casting and a spinning. The casting rod, um, piggybacking off of the success of our freshwater BFS or bait finesse system rod, um, we turned it over to salt finesse. We turned it over to salt. And the reason for that, you know, Z-Man came out with these salty Ned shrimps and there's a new bait. You have to have a rod to throw that new <laughs> bait with. Am I right? Oh, yeah. um, but it has to be appropriate. Um, so for those folks who love the BFS setup, throwing those lighter weight lures um, and baits on a 
casting setup, this was the ticket. You could take that salty Ned shrimp, bomb it out there and have the control that you get with a casting setup. Um, so that's huge. Um, it features uh, our hybrid gimbal butt. And I know that sounds funny, but Cashin is known for their grips. We make our grips in-house. We have a great team of guys who are really skilled at that process. And with our current inshore lineup, we were missing that branding. Because if, if, you, if you're familiar with the Icon Inshore series, the standing series, um, the gimbal butt went the whole way from top to bottom. So you didn't get that exposure like, oh, that's cash and that's a cash and grip. We recognize yeah. it. So actually one of our guys in the shop, they were like, why don't we just try to make one with a gimbal plug, um, a butt plug? Yes, they are called butt plugs. <laughs> I learned that. Is it really? Yeah. It is. So the little, if you look at any of your rods at, at, at the butt end, you have that plastic plug or whatever that goes in there. It's literally called a butt plug. I love the nomenclature. <laughs> Keep going. Just don't turn that one into a hot take. That'd be very embarrassing. No. But yeah. It I'm already thinking. About <laughs> How can we rephrase that? Yeah. Make it even better? There's no pretty they way even to say a butt plug. <laughs> hey, we got a rod in here. <laughs> we're we're, we're doing some shrimping and we got a butt plug. Oh, so. <laughs> that, now we've got Okay, here anyway. we go. Anyway. Put it in reverse, Terry. <laughs> to the ca casting. So yeah, the, the hybrid gimbal butt, it was actually developed by one of our guys in the shop who was like, you know what, why don't we just come up with it ourselves? And we did. Um, so that's a really cool feature because you still have the gimbal um, part at the bottom and then you have the cash in handmade grip. Yep. Um, but then we have the spinning. Um, the spinning rod is a light fast and it's used for the same applications um, but for treble hooks so you have your bait finesse your salt finesse um, it's called the salty ned rig rod actually nice. um, but that bfs rod is set up for your single hook applications and then the spinning rod we had to give the spinning folks a little love that's for your treble hook style baits nice. um, still finesse um, and, and it, the same thing, I'm learning about saltwater um, inshore fishing. The same rules apply. Like when there's drastic changes in the water temperature, the environment, um, if if the hatch is, if the fish are feeding on fry or yeah. smaller, um, smaller food, um, when things are pressured and you're having a hard time, you get out that Ned Rig, right? Yeah. You get out that finesse style bait. Same thing applies for saltwater and inshore fishing. So we're riding the wave of the salt finesse and um, it's going to be out and live in the fall. Ooh, so uh, keep an eye. You're going to have to wait just a little bit, but I will say this. I will say this. It's, it's interesting to see the industry. So you got like giant baits and then we're going like finesse at the same we went, time. We went both sides, of both the spectrum. sides of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. But I will say if you're an avid bass angler, uh, you know, you appreciate fishing when you get out on the salt mm -hmm. every, cause you're going to catch fit for the most part, you're going to catch fish. So if you're having some bad luck while you're bass fishing, and we all know this to happen in certain parts of the season, you just feel like you're not catching any fish. If you're around the salt, if you're around Sanford, North Carolina, head on over to Cashin and pick up a couple of those rods in the fall and then go to the salt and appreciate every fish you catch. So when you go back to bass fishing, you know, you know, because I, I went saltwater fishing last year and my buddy told me, he goes, 
I can tell you're a bass fisherman because <laughs> you appreciate every six inch black bass that you catch <laughs> on a little fiddler crab. You know what I'm saying? But you do. And, and so that's cool to see you guys come out with that, that lineup. And uh, I'm excited to get my hands on some of them because I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go wreck some toad fish and some, some sea bass and stuff on those things. Maybe some I, good redfish. I just catch them on speed worm while I'm bass fishing. <laughs> Seems to be my flounder. I've been smashing the yeah. flounder and bass fishing, but but that is the cool thing about the inshore fishing. You never know what you're gonna get. You throw that salty Nedrig rod, you throw your salt your, your salty shrimps, um, your Ned shrimps, you're gonna catch everything from mullet to rays to bull reds. I mean, salt speckled trout, you yeah. name it. You throw it out there, you're gonna catch something. Absolutely. And, Sounds like when and I'm no bass matter fishing. Because I'm catching bluegill, crappie, catfish, pickerel, catfish, pickerel <laughs> everything but the largemouth. So, and I will say this, uh, you know, I, I think I called you last year when I went to the salt and I said, man, I just caught a speckled trout on a snagless bladed jig. So you pair yeah, that yeah. snagless bladed jig up with one of the salt series rods from Cashin and there you go. Now, Bates Rust, guys, they do. <laughs> All right, salt, salt water, <laughs> rust, That's almost science. everything. So don't get bent out of shape when you leave that bait on the front deck after throwing it in the salt for two weeks and then it's all corroded. It just happens. Um, but. Going back to the the, the salty Ned rod, um, how different, because uh, I think Pete and I were talking about, it, is it a little bit heavier than your BFS, the actual BFS rod, and how much, like, do you know offhand that the weights each one will take? Man, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I can look it up real quick. We can put it at the bottom of the screen. But basically, our salt finesse salty Nedrig rod is one inch longer to help with casting distance. Okay. 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 Um, I can look up the lure weights and the line weights, and we'll plug that in. Okay. Yeah, because I'm I'm just thinking for for maybe my application and maybe some other anglers you like to fish like I do. So. I've got the, obviously the cash and the BFS ones are super light, 16th ounce or 332nd ounce and 8th ounce and maybe up to 532nd. But there's there's some little larger plugs I want to throw that mm -hmm. are maybe a quarter ounce, maybe slight, maybe slightly heavier that for your normal casting setup, there's not that good in between. So I may have to play around to see if it throws slightly heavier finesse stuff, if that makes sense. You just might have to use a spinning rod, man. <laughs> but hey, no, I, <laughs> I broke all mine. Ch Chelsea, uh, and, and you can, your opinion on this, but uh, just because it's a salt finesse series rod doesn't mean it can't be used in fresh water. Oh. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. So don't let that deter you. Like just because something says it can be, it should be used in salt or it says salt in the name. Like you can still use it in fresh water and stuff it, like that. It, so. Absolutely. And it's one of those things before cashing came out with their BFS rod. I had a, another rod by, uh, I think it was Douglas outdoors, which is I think primary a, a salt brand. Um, they've got bass fishing stuff, but I actually got a medium rod of theirs because I, you, you, Quick lesson. Everyone look at see what the rods are rated for because every manufacturer is different. Mm -hmm. And it was rated for like one seventh ounce. Mm -hmm. So that was my because at the time you couldn't really get BFS rods anywhere. Right. Um, and so it was the closest to I could have casting setup, which, it, you know, it works pretty well, um, but it's not the specific BFS setup. Uh, but it's kind of one of those things that it's it's a little bit heavier, I think, than the cash one. So I can throw a little bit heavier finesse stuff with it. Yeah. yeah. And I'll say like. A lot of people get intimidated when they go look at Cashin because Cashin does build their rods technique specific, and we can let Chelsea talk mm -hmm. more on that. So they're designed to do that specific technique. 
but they're not hamstrung to just do that. Right. right? Like I use a worm jig rod, uh, the six, nine worm jig rod as a spinner bait rod. I use it as a buzz bait rod. Uh, I use it to skip jigs. I Texas rig throw jigs. Like it's kind of like a do all for me. And then the chatterbait rod is another one. That's, is that the number one or number two most popular is a chatterbait? It's the number two. Number two. So like it's great for a bladed jig, but it also throws spinner baits really well. Small and, swim and baits. There's guys throwing, yeah, smaller swim baits, like quarter, not quarter ounce. It's probably a little light, but, um, you know, you could probably throw a quarter ounce on it if you had the reel set up right, but smaller, soft body swim baits, uh, things like that. And it handles those really well. The crankbait rods, there's like 37 di different options depending on what you want to do. Uh, but they all don't just do that. Like the square bill rod is the best rod I've ever thrown in my life. If you like to throw square bill crankbaits, like the way John Cruz designed that rod, just absolutely the way it, def it deflects off cover and then throws a square bill is unmatched. But it's also really nice for throwing your shallower diving, like six to eight foot crankbaits, your smaller profile <clears> stuff, and it handles those really well. So don't be afraid to ask questions. I guess at the end of the day, and we'll we're, I'm, we're gonna I'm gonna ask Chelsea to kind of tell a little bit about Cash and um, just we talk about them all the time, but we've never really explained the company. We'll let her do that once we're done talking about it. But if you have questions, you can message them on social media. You can message me, Trey, uh, ask in the group. Um, we, we're all more than willing to help you questions. It's, you know, it's an American made rod made here in North Carolina by American workers. Uh, it, it's really easy to get behind and it's, it's a great product. So Bef before you dive in Chelsea and, and I, I wanted to piggyback off what Pete was saying, sometimes buying the right rod can be intimidating for people. They'll have questions, they'll post it in forums and stuff on the internet. They'll get a lot of flack because people are ugly on the internet, let's be honest. Or you go into a major retailer and there's not a single person in there that knows the first thing about what you're trying to buy. Yep. But when you walk into Cashin, you're going to get the customer service that you deserve. Every single person in there is well-versed on the technology, the applications of what each rod is made and designed for, uh, and they're going to steer you in the right direction. And and quick vignette is I went into Cashin to pick up a handful of rods before I went down to fish uh, Lake Toho in the Kissimmee chain. And and I talked to Chelsea and, and – um, Oh my gosh. Ben. Ben. ben yeah. yeah, Ben. Yeah. It always confuses me. But <laughs> I talked to Ben and I talked to Chelsea and said, This is what I'm getting ready to go do. And uh, I need a, I need certain rods for certain applications. And they and they pointed me in the right direction. And even though I was throwing a frog, they didn't steer steer me necessarily towards a certain frog rod. It it was like you might want to use this type of rod for that, right? So um besides Ben Pete and myself. In, in, in the comment section or, or on the community pages and stuff like that, just go into cash. And if you're in the local North, North Carolina, Sanford, North Carolina area, walk in there, you'll be very, uh, you'll, you'll be pleased with what you get. I promise. Or call Chelsea up or call Chelsea. You want to give your cell phone out? <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give pizza. You want to give Peter's out. Yeah. <laughs> Eight, six, seven, five, three, and nine. <laughs> <laughs> that's all i got i just well, needed to give you guys that shout out i can i can just walk out the door you guys got it covered <laughs> what uh did you look that way up? i did so i misspoke you guys have to forgive me so the salty ned rig rod um seven foot two and it's got a line weight of four to ten pounds okay. and a lure weight of one eighth to one half ounce okay mm. yeah, yeah. wow so it'll throw that quarter ounce mm -hmm. a little bit heavier that's yeah that's that's nice, and I know Chelsea got the eighty to uh, to Tula inshore reel to throw on that 
I haven't got to mess with it yet. I'm not that special, but yeah. looking forward to when they come out and get my hands on one and chucking it around and yeah. seeing how that does. So, so our freshwater BFS rods, we have two. Um, one is a six foot ten, mm -hmm. uh, which would be most comparable to the seven foot two salty Nedrig rod, okay. and then we have a seven foot, which would be compared to that. That would be for your treble hook baits. Yeah, the seven foot is what nasty. Are we, what do we have? Seven? I have both, but you have a six ten. Six ten. Yeah, okay. yeah. The seven foot's a medium light or light. The six ten is a medium light. What's the seven foot in the light? Light, yeah. That's so it idea. it throws like I throw shad wraps and stuff on that, uh, just because it has it's fast, but it has a really nice parabolic bend. And so for those those light balsa crankbaits and stuff like in the winter, man, it chucks in things great. Yeah. Um. So that that's been my go to, and I wasn't even sure what I was gonna. I wasn't even actually gonna get one because I was like, I have the six ten that. If I'm going to throw a Ned rig, which is yet to happen, uh, <laughs> if I'm going to throw a Ned rig, uh, that's the one that I want. And then I'd actually talked to John at a show, and he was like, you throwing a shad wrap on that 7-footer yet? And I was like, no, what's up? And he he broke it down, and I was like, well, now i got to get one of those, too. Because <laughs> so you know, everybody knows how throwing a shad wrap is. Oh, good. man, it's miserable. Yeah, yeah. Even on a spinning rod. It's, yeah, like, the, it's yeah. like the worst bait in the world, but it gets eight, so you have to throw one. That's exactly the reason why I started getting them a couple of years ago. That and the Ned, but yeah, it's like little shad wraps are so good in the winter time or that 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 late, you know, that late winter time, early spring bite. Especially, you know, everyone's throwing Alabama rigs and stuff, or any yeah. rock crawlers around rip wrap and rock. But very few people are throwing the old school shad wraps mm -hmm. or even right. suspending shad wraps and things, just because they're so difficult. Especially if there's any wind on the water, what? like it's 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 difficult to throw them unless you have the right equipment. You think? I think we'll see more people throwing the gravel dog this year or the rock crawler. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> yes. I don't know. Whatever one's cheaper. Like, let's be honest. Like, you're going to, a lot of people buy for the price. Wiggle warts. Yeah. A lot of people buy for the diversity. A lot of people buy for the, for the brand. And yes. so it just depends. But I know that, you know, cashing is, cashing has changed my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Put that on a t-shirt. I'm serious. Yeah. It has. I, I never thought about it, you know, and, and, and listen, not everything is affordable to everyone. Um, and it's, it's not something I just went out and bought 80, you know, cash and rods, but you know, slowly like changing my inventory out, but understanding like just how much the rod matters when it comes to loading up on a fish and keeping a fish panned and stuff like that. Yes. Your reel matters. Yes. Your line matters. Yes. The knot you tie matters. Yes. The bait you throw matters. I mean, all of it matters, but uh, when you can find the right tool uh, to be surgical in the application that you're trying to perfect, then that's where you you find cashing, right? For me, it's I, it's changed my life. So long, long before Chelsea worked at cashing, I'm going to let her talk about cashing as the company, but just to give an experience of why I started buying the rods, we went in there. She hadn't even moved down here yet, so I was down here for work and – it was like a Saturday afternoon or something. I was bored. No, it had to be during the week. I think we rained out. So I just like Google like tackle shop near me. And if you know, if you're around Sanford, there's none that are actually open uh, <laughs> when you need one. Uh, but I saw cash and fishing rods. I'm like, what is this? And I so I Googled it and I was like, well, I didn't realize that was who John Cruz fished. Like I know that name. I'm going to run in there and check it out. So I went in there and I met the owner, uh, Dr. Matt Cashin. And, uh, he talked to me and, and I ended up buying a couple rods because um, they have like factory seconds or like repaired rods are a little bit cheaper. I wasn't going to go spend big money on a rod. I didn't know if I was going to like, uh, and I bought them and I fished with them and I really liked them. And then when she got down here, 
I was like, hey, we need to go check out this this tackle, like this fishing rod place. I think you'll think it's cool. So we went in there, and it had been, I don't know, six or eight months since I went in there. I only met the guy one time. And when I walked in, Matt immediately walked up to me. He didn't remember my name, but he remembered, like, why I was down here for work, where I was from, that I had been fishing Jordan Lake a lot, like all this stuff. So right there, like, to have not seen this guy for six months, only met him one time and him to remember my story. Like I was sold right there. I'm like, I'm a fan. And I made the mistake of buying everything before Chelsea started working. There. <laughs> uh, so uh, Matt got all my money, but uh, no, I, you know, it's, I, I don't have a problem supporting an American company like that. Uh, and then we were blessed to, to have Chelsea be able to go, go work there. And I don't, do you want to talk a little bit about, I don't know if Cashin's mission or, or what y'all stand for. Yeah, so Trey, I was I was teasing you when you said, you know, it changed my life, but yeah. actually it did change mine, yeah. truthfully. Um, my background is in healthcare. Mm-hmm. I was helping to run a nursing home that had memory care and a couple different other levels of care. And you know what? That that stress is real. Um, I still have a lot of friends back home who are at that nursing home. I say nursing home, it's retirement care community. Yeah. Um and, you know, respectfully, they know that stress as well. Um, so it was time for a break. So I came down, moved, moved here with Peter and Pete. And You're good. <laughs> That's what you call me. It's weird when you call me Pete. <laughs> Low Pete. No, Trey, you don't get to call me Peter. <laughs> anyway. Mo- moved down here and, you know, I said to myself, I, I don't want to be in charge of anything. I just want to go to work and come home. So I started working at Lowe's. Oh, <laughs> yep. And then um, I was actually working at Lowe's when Pete brought me into cash in. And the minute I opened that door, God laid on my heart. I want to work here like you need to work here. It was a want and a need all at the same time. And when I realized that, you know, Matt, now my boss, um, recognized and, and remembered my husband and recognized who I was without even meeting him. Um, That was super important. And in the distance, you could see that week's Bible verse up on a dry erase board. And beyond that Bible verse was a team of folks who were at work, nose to the grindstone, making fishing rods right there, right in front of me. And the music was going. I'm pretty sure Led Zeppelin was playing too, right. not to be contradicting, but that that's my favorite group. And it was kind of like God saying, Hey, this is your place. Yeah. You need to explore this as an option. Um, so I started applying, started applying, and all I wanted to do was make fishing rods. I thought that that was the most fascinating uh, process, making fishing rods. I had no idea what went into it. Uh, yes, I grew up fishing. Uh, I was passionate about fishing, still am didn't know the process behind making one of those fishing rods. So long story short, got a phone call, interviewed, got a job. um, And I started managing the office, which entails just about everything. Um, Small business, you wear a lot of hats, you do a lot of things. So learning the whole process, yes, from building a fishing rod, all the way up to handling, you know, accounts payable, accounts receivable, onboarding of new team members, um, marketing, you name it, I've helped with it. Um, and it's been an absolute pleasure to take that journey and be a part of such an awesome team. Like I can't, I can't verbalize it really. You have to come in and you have to just 
experience the environment. Mm -hmm. um, the one word that always rings true when I talk about cash in is culture. Mm -hmm. And again, you wouldn't believe it if I told you, but the culture of cash in on a Wednesday at noon, you walk into our showroom, you're going to see us having a Bible study together. Mm -hmm. We are, we are in the word. We are fellowshipping together. We are breaking bread together and we are learning God's word in the workplace. Yeah. Tell me where else that happens. Nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and that culture right. just, it transcends, you know, you come in, you can have a bad day, but someone's got your back. They mm -hmm. recognize it from a personal level. They come, they minister to you without even knowing that they're ministering to you. Mm -hmm. It's just the culture that we have built as a team. And, and a lot of that, actually all of it has to do with how Matt has run his company and how much we all respect him and vice versa. Um, he has allowed us the opportunity to have that environment and take it and run with it. And how powerful is that as a leader in the position that he is in? I think that just speaks volumes about the person that he is. Yep. And that disseminates down to cut. They treat every customer the same way. So if you come in there and, mm -hmm. and you have a question or, or you're upset because your rod broke or whatever, like they're going to, they're going to work with you to, to get you replacement or, or make it right. If it was something on their end, like they, at the end of the day, that's what's important to them to do right by their customers. Cause much like we say with everybody that, that listens to us, like without y'all, we wouldn't have a company without folks fishing and using their product. They wouldn't have one. And, and that, even even as just you know my wife working there chelsea working there like when i go in i feel like part of the team like everybody's like oh what's up and you, you know you talk to them and mm -hmm. and i've gone in like when they've been to the grindstone or short and I've, I've learned how to do parts of the process to help like one day i went in there for like six hours and built shipping boxes because they had a bunch of stuff to ship out <laughs> and, that's right and uh they were shorthanded and i was like well i can run an air gun and so i just <laughs> went in there and put boxes together for you, go. you know for a couple hours because i knew they needed help and and they, you know, they, they do treat everybody like family, including customers. Like I said, Matt remembered, remembered my story and I'd only met him once. And to me, like, you don't get that. I'm, I, I can tell you, I'm not going to get that at like Berkeley pure fishing somewhere where they have millions and millions of customers. You're yeah. just your local tackle shop. Absolutely. You, you yeah. should expect a support like that sure. but from direct from the manufacturer like that. It's just not something that you see every day. And, uh, it's refreshing, especially with, uh, with the way things are now. Like, so you're the marketing lead now, right? Mm -hmm. So you said you wanted to go to a job and just go to work and not have to be in charge of anything. <laughs> so good luck with that. Uh, now that you're the marketing lead. It wasn't even cat. Like she was at Lowe's for like a month and they were already moving her up there too. And I was just, some people were just like born leaders, <laughs> natural born good. leaders, man. And they, and they accelerate in those positions and that's yeah. what happened. She's like, I just want to go to work. I'm like, it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I loved my time at Lowe's. Don't get me wrong. But there's that buzzword again, culture. Yeah. It was the culture that drove me to look elsewhere. Yeah. I really enjoyed the people that I worked with. I loved the physical labor. I loved working on the docks. Loved it. I really did. I miss work. I, I miss driving the forklift. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. We're gonna have to talk to Matt about that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Miss driving the forklift. But lo and behold, it was the culture that drove me to look elsewhere. And I knew that was only a temporary fix. I know that was just a an employment band-aid on my journey. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted to develop that sense of camaraderie, that, that team mentality. Trey, you mentioned it, maybe you were off air when you mentioned it, but do you ever leave work and high five your coworker as you're walking out the door saying, you know, that was a really good day. 
no comment from me. <laughs> <laughs> but like you, I'm the type of person I want to go to work. I want to get the job done, but I also want to love what I'm doing and have fun with the people that I'm around. Absolutely. And the culture wasn't, wasn't it at Lowe's. Um, but it is at Cashin. And I love being a part of a team that, you know, we're all anglers. We all share, we're, we're all like-minded. We yeah. share the same passions and, and, I could go on forever and ever yeah, about the I, team that we have there. What, Chelsea, I think that might have been one of the best testimonials for a company that I've heard. Yeah. Um, because what you just said and what you're talking about, you're, we all know how great the product is physically because we all fish it. And to be honest, we all experience that culture because we live here. We've all been in the shop. That's why, you know, Trey and I are, I think you're farther along than I am about switching my inventory over, but you know, I've got like six or seven cash and rods and I'm slowly, you know, um, transitioning my inventory over because they are so great. But that culture you talk about, I mean, that is something that you don't see a lot today. And with all the, the how great the actual product is, and, and but the people behind it, mm -hmm. I mean, to quote Ricky Bobby, I'm not going to quote the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if you don't fish cash and rods, then. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the last thing I'll say on it is, you know, um, you know, being in the military, like I got a couple years left and it's, it's kind of hard to find a bigger sense of belonging than that. Like it's the biggest sense of belonging that I've had in my life. Like I've had civilian jobs on the outside before I joined the army. Um, but I know a lot of veterans and, and people that work in civil service and stuff, they struggle. Uh, when they retire or they transition out of those types of jobs. So to hear that this culture, this sense of belonging, this sense of purpose exists within the fishing industry is a huge breath of fresh air because I know that that's a critical piece to what a lot of people in this world are missing is a sense of purpose, a sense of belonging. And so hopefully for other businesses that are hearing this, uh, if you're listening to this or watching this, like, cultivating a climate based on mutual trust and value is something that is absolutely necessary to have people that stand behind the product you develop. Yep. Yeah. I think, uh, I think this is a, a great place to maybe stop it because we, uh, we bookend right this episode here. Cause we've talked about some stuff that was going on in the industry that we don't like that we wish wasn't there. It's kind of the ugly side in the fishing industry. Yep. Whereas with Cash and Chelsea coming in to talk her story, talk about the product, like we see the good side of the industry. Yeah, that's what, right. What the industry should be about, um, bringing people in, yep. you know, because we all just love being on the water and we all just want to catch fish, whether that's in a tournament or just going out uh, with your dad or your kids or yep. neighbors or by yourself yep. right, just for that alone time. So appreciate you coming in here. Yeah. Do you want to uh, let folks know where we can find, where they can find yeah, Cash? Yeah, we got to do that first. Yes. <laughs> If you've made it this far, thank you. Um, <laughs> please go ahead and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, YouTube. Um, just search Cash In Rods. And your follow means a lot to us. Uh, we see you. We interact with you. Uh, I am one of the people that will interact with you. So behind the scenes, here we are. Um, and, and just one more take home, no matter how big cash and ever gets, we're still always going to be about three main things. We're going to be about being truly American made. You walk right in, you see the team making those fishing rods. We're seriously American made. We're always going to be about having superior quality and you know, the product to back that quality. And we're always going to be about our people. 
because without our people, we don't have any of the above. Okay. Right. So please follow us, come into the showroom and uh, pay us a visit and we'd love to see you. Yep. Cash and fishing rods.com. Check them out. Uh, full lineup. Uh, no matter what your price point is, uh, you should be able to find something that'll, that'll fit your needs and it's going to do a really good job and support, uh, support American made. Uh, yeah. So the last thing I'll close it out is we talked about culture that, that isn't so good. We've got to talk about culture that is really good. And we talk about it all the time, help us continue or help us to work towards growing a culture of anglers helping anglers one cast at a time. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day.